You have to know how to adjust and adapt to the hand that was dealt you. Some of you are complaining about the hand that was dealt you. Welcome to the game of poker of life. So one of the things I wish they had taught me in school, how to grow my money without pure hard work. That's what we're talking about. So let's go through this. For those of you who see it backwards, just listen to what I'm saying. Somebody said invest in apartments. There you go, BV Castro on Instagram. You're getting on the right track. Why would you invest in apartments? What's the advantage of apartments? Who knows? I mean, the simple, let, me, let me show you some, a little trick here. Very few people know this. In the long term, Woo, this is the world's worst board here. All right, in the long term, how do you know how much something is worth? What's a guaranteed way to know how some, much something's worth? Like I said, Bitcoin, had you put $100 into it in 2010, you'd have $75 million in the end. Uh, but there's a lot of risk because what it could have gone down, although you would only lost 100 bucks. But the true worth of anything is, I'm gonna give you guys, kind of a complicated answer and then I'm gonna explain it. It's the present value of future revenue. So at the end of the day, everything in the stock market, real estate market, Bitcoin, it's still gonna be predicated on the same freaking thing. How much would you pay today to have a future sum of revenue? So like buying apartment complexes. The advantage of buying an apartment complex is you got 50 people living in your apartment. If one or two of them don't pay the rent, you still got 48 people paying you, paying you every month. So it's a diversified portfolio of people paying you money, and you can discount that for all of you math whizzes. There's calculators you can do this. I used to be in the finance industry. You take a calculator, you add up, you enter in the super, uh, the, the future sums of revenue that you'll get, you discount them with an interest rate and you come up with how much that thing's worth today. So the house you live in, let's say that's $500,000 or $100,000 or 1 million. The present value of that is somebody, the market calculating how much that house is gonna generate in the future. And there's two things that we'll get a little more advanced here. I wasn't planning to get this advanced right at the beginning, but I'm, I'm, I'm here in it. Um, there's two ways that you make money in anything, stock market, real estate. There's two ways. Uh, one is cap appreciation, capital appreciation, okay? And the second one is cash flow. So with an apartment complex in this example or Bitcoin, you got two ways you're making money. One is potentially someone's gonna buy your apartment complex for more than you paid. So you paid a million for it, Eventually, hopefully, you sell it for two million. So you, you make the appreciation. That's a million bucks profit. But secondarily, you got cash flow from it. And when you have both of those things, it's very diversified. So let me go into this nine things here real quick. Um, this was a little side tad tangent, but it's an important one to lay the foundation of what I'm talking about. Let me any questions on this right here? Uh, MMM Ina said capital appreciation and cash flow. Good. Uh, is there an app to do stocks? I mean, I use TD, uh, you can, like TD Ameritrade has an app, but it depends. There's different brokerages you can use. Somebody said, Ty, depends where the building is. Yes, with real estate, location still matters. You know, Donald Trump is a very controversial president. People basically either love him or hate him. He was, a good, he was pretty good at real estate. 
And one of the things he said, if you read his, any of his books, um, he, would, he would pay more to be in a better location. He didn't always look for the deals. Sometimes you get what you pay for. Somebody said, don't buy homes in a flood zone. Depends how cheap they are. If you can buy homes in a flood zone for cheaper, and if you can get insurance, it's not so bad. But you gotta be careful on some of this stuff. So somebody said, Ty, where's your Lamborghini? Well, it's probably not in my backyard. Since I'm standing in my backyard, I tend to not drive my cars into my backyard, but. Somebody said, Is there, are there better assets in real estate? Okay, so let's get into this. Here's the three things. So I said there's nine things. This, what is this whiteboard made? Who made this piece? This is the worst piece of crap I've ever used. Okay, there's three things and then each of those subdivide into three. So you have nine basic ways that you can multiply your money, okay? So number one here is through business or entrepreneurship, okay? Being an entrepreneur, starting your own business or working with an entrepreneur, like a startup. The second way, that's all right, is hard assets. Not everybody can, for some of you it's backwards, I know. So hard assets. And the third, I'm calling this intangibles, okay? So here's what I mean by this. Let's start over here on this side, intangibles. Each of these now break down in three ways. Doom, doom, doom. And that's how we end up with nine. So I'm gonna break them down for you. You got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine things you could do with your money. By the way, I forgot to say something. Um, this is assuming you're smart enough to not spend every penny that you make. Because the average person in the United States, for example, if you look, you can Google the savings rate, the average savings rate of the US. It's generally between negative 1% and 5%. That means for every $10,000 the average person makes, they save, this is mind blowing, at best, at best for every 10, let's just do $1,000. For every $1,000, because some of you are not even making that yet, for somebody making a grand, a lot of people are only saving 50 bucks. And in certain years, like during recessions, people are saving negative. That means they're actually going in credit card debt. So this right here is assuming you have figured out a way to spend less than you make, which is harder than you think. I was just at the Amish, if you saw my Snapchat or my Insta story, I was at the, the Amish this weekend in Virginia where I lived when I was younger for two years. And the Amish basically save about 33% minimum of what they make in a year. So there's a lot of Amish farmers only making 30 grand a year, but they become millionaires eventually because they save like, some of them save like 70%. So one of the things you guys gotta do here before you can even get to these nine steps is you have to figure out a way that you can spend less than you make so that there is some available. By the way, if you don't see these, I'm gonna explain these, so don't have a freak out, okay? For those of you who are wondering if the, uh, the screen's backwards, and if the screen's backwards for you because you're looking on my social, don't worry about it. Listen to what I'm saying. One of the great skills in life that very few people have that luckily told me, someone told me when I was younger I need to build is the ability to listen and memorize the key points that people are saying. So when I go, like, because you, you can't always tell people hey, slow down and take notes. 
I've sat, I once had a dinner with this guy in, in New York City when I was starting out in the internet business. One of the smartest guys, one of the biggest email guys in the world, okay? He dominates the email world, uh, email marketing. And I sat down with him and he basically talked very fast. He's a New Yorker. He's like, blah, 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 blah. and this dude probably makes 50 million bucks a year, 30 million. I'm not sure exactly. He's a baller in the business. He still is. And what I did was I just created what I call the sponge brain. Not in a negative way, like you're stupid, but like you're absorbing every tip. And then what I would do is like every like 30 minutes, I'd be like, I gotta go to the bathroom. He probably thought I had a bladder problem. Every 30 minutes I would get up, go in the bathroom and sit there and take everything that I had absorbed in my brain and just like type, typed it on Evernote. If you're not using Evernote, by the way, I'm not a sponsor of Evernote or make any money. Download Evernote, man. So I just sat here and I just like, wrote it all and I literally still have those notes to the day to this day so if you can't read or something just make your mind a sponge for a while absorb this stuff by the way let me do I'm gonna can you bring the cash for a second I'm gonna do during this for those of you who stay I'm gonna give away, I'm gonna ask some key questions and do a hundred dollar giveaway a few times okay so let's break these down these nine let, let me do them real fast and then I'll I'll do them slower for you, okay? So the three types of businesses, I'm gonna give you broad categories and it's not completely an exhaustive list because you can come up with more things. In fact, oh, here we got some cash. By the way, this is fake cash. So if anybody come try to rob me, all you're gonna get is this fake cash, but I'll send you real cash. PayPal you actually, not cash. But sometimes people are like, dude, Ty has fake cash. I'm like, no shit, because I ain't stupid. What's the rapper that just somebody broke into his house the other day and stole $300,000? Don't be keeping 300 grand in your house. No, not Jason. Was it Jason Derulo? Trust me. Don't keep 300 grand in your house, guys. I mean, seriously, look what happened to Pablo Escobar. You keep too much money in cash, boy, they're going to come and gun you down, man. Anyway, so, and I got a lot of German Shepherds and a lot of guns, and I got security at my house, so... Beware if you come. You may get shot before you get to the door. ASAP Rocky? Yeah, ASAP Rocky had $1.5 million. Kim Kardashian had 18, remember that event that traumatized Kim Kardashian, $18 million in Paris? Uh, they came and they put a gun in her, to her head. And that's why I said, yeah, 300,000, Jason Derulo. That's why this 300,000, this is about 100 grand of fake cash. So little brain tip. You guys got to, some people forget common sense. Like I didn't grow up with millionaire parents or anything like that. So I had to use common sense. Some people, that's what I'm saying. I'm not picking on Jason Derulo or anything like that because it could happen to anybody. But for the most part, when you start making money, don't put, if you're going to keep it in cash, don't keep it in your house. There's ways you can store cash legally. Um, depending on the banks, you can store them in safe deposit boxes. Not all banks will let you, by the way, put cash in a safe deposit box. It's not against the law, though. It's a, sometimes certain banks, it's against their rules. So you ain't going to go to prison or anything. You're not breaking a law. And it's a lot safer stored in the middle of a bank because then they got to basically gun down Bank of America, get all the keys. It ain't going to happen. Uh, with gold, and, and we're going to talk about that in one of the nine ways. You got intangibles. One of the intangible uh, 
I mean, sorry, one of the hard assets are things like gold because literally gold, and you shouldn't put all your money in gold, but you can store gold in physical, uh, they're, they're not warehouses, but there's something like that. And it's legal in the United States to do that. There's some regulations, but that's what I'm saying. You know, I meet people as they're new money, like I'm new money, but I meet people with new money and also no common sense. And I'm going, come on, man, you start flashing 300 grand cash. Welcome to planet Earth. There's a lot of poor, starving, desperate people that are going to come for that. They got to feed their family. So if somebody comes, steals something from my house, they're going to get it back about 500 to to $1,000 cash. You know, that'd be a big risk to come blazing through for 1000 in cash. Uh, use a black card if you make money. Get that Amex black card. That one's harder to steal, and it's backed by Amex. So if someone steals my black card, you know what? I can call American Express and be like, yo, I just got held up. Somebody took my black card. Cancel all those, you know, cancel the card. All right, let's keep talking. Just a little side note. If you know my style, I go all over the place because I get all these questions going all over the place. So the three types here of businesses, one, two, three, and then we got three hard assets and three intangible assets. These are nine ways to grow your money without, uh, hopefully, without as much hard work as a horrible nine to five job. So number one over here is you have what I call uh, sales okay, type jobs. Number two, I'm gonna add this, there's a new category, there's e-commerce, okay? This is a growing entity. And then three, I call this physical, all right? So let me explain that. Sales jobs are wide and varied. You're talking consultants, sales business, sales-based business. Basically, you either are talking face-to-face -face with somebody, you're on the phone with them, that's how you're making your money, right? So those, there's a, thousands of sales types jobs. You can go door to door. I mean, I'm in some, some of my businesses are the sales type job. Um, second, now you have e-commerce, which is huge. You got Amazon, right? Everything's moving online. People are buying. In fact, I believe the last whatever Black Friday, the big day where people spend money on buying stuff, more money was spent online than in category, subcategory three, which is physical locations. So restaurants are physical. Sears is physical. Grocery stores are physical. Okay. Now, like I said, there's more ways you can cla uh, classify this, but I like to think this way. And let me show you why. Sales-based businesses, you don't need any money to start. And you can build people under you selling for you. There was a guy at my house. I did a seminar. Um, what was that last month, Armin? When we had the seminar here? I had 105 business people come. One was the CEO of World Ventures. They did $990 million in sales last year, okay? And that guy is running a sales-based business. Almost all of it comes from hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of salespeople selling under him. It's one of those MLMs like, you know, uh, what's the big MLM? Amway or all those. I'm not involved in, the Am in those MLMs, but a lot of people are, okay? So number two, e-commerce. Those are, you know, Jet.com started 2015 2016 sold for one billion dollars did you know that that's the fastest anybody's ever made a billion dollars i think it was actually 10 months 
It was the guy who started diapers.com, then he switched over. Amazon basically competed with them, and then Walmart bought them for, sorry, $3 billion. I think that was the number. You could Google. I think it was $3.2 million. Billion dollars, sorry. Now, then you have physical businesses. Whole Foods, which Amazon also purchased, is a physical location-based business, a restaurant, a pizza store, your dentist, your doctor, all those, okay? So you could, some people would call this sales and services, but I don't like to call it that. It's too confusing. Sales, I like to put this as a separate category because for all of you trying to make money, as we're talking about, multiply, this is a great way. When I didn't have any money in my bank account, under 100 bucks, um, that is one of the ways that I grew to 100 grand, and then I grew to making a million dollars a year, and then I grew to making 10 million, and then I grew way beyond 10 million. It was the, the fundamentals, and 70% of billionaires, 70% of billionaires, just to be clear, were in sales at some point in their life, okay? So consulting is under here, phone sales is under here, door-to-door sales, MLMs, all that stuff is in that. Um, now, let's keep going. So what's number four, five, and six? Hard assets are, number one, uh, number four, real estate, okay? Number five, I'm going to put gold, and I'm going to include, in gold, I'm going to include things like silver. I mean, there's all kinds of commodities that, and, and I'm, I'm just putting them in their own category. Then I'm going to call commodities here be, as number six, because there's a ton of commodities, for many, most people don't know about this, okay? But commodities, you can trade and make money on corn. Anybody, anybody on this call right here. You have something called the Chicago Mercantile Trading. It's, it's based out of Chicago. You can bet on if you think it's going to be a dry year and that corn isn't going to produce, right? So you could buy corn for cheap now, and then if it's a dry year in the fall, the price of corn goes way up. And let's say you bought guaranteed corn at three bucks a bushel and it's a dry year, it doesn't rain in the US and now more people want corn because basically corn runs the world right now, unfortunately. Corn's running ethanol, it's running maple syrup is based out of corn syrup. The ketchup at McDonald's has fructose, uh, high fructose corn syrup. Uh, corn is in some ways destroying the world, especially if you know anything about agriculture and soil, but whatever. You can make money on that commodity, and that's a physical hard asset, right? You can hold corn in your hand. You can trade pork bellies. You can make money on cattle. And there's dudes, uh, you can also, I'm gonna, no, let me come to number seven. Under intangibles, you have things, currencies. See, this is a big one, currencies, uh, which I'm gonna put, you could put Bitcoin and Ether, Ethereum, and all those under Bitcoin, but I'm not going to because technically they're what's called cryptocurrencies. But So number eight is crypto. By the way, if you can't read this, don't worry. I can't even read when I'm writing either. So learn to listen because the things I've learned the most were in environments where I couldn't pull out my notepad at a business networking event and be like, oh, okay, can you tell me that again? Let me, but you're going to look like an idiot. So you must cultivate the skill to listen, by the way. So... Somebody asked, what was gold? Gold is number five. I put gold and silver in its own category. It's a subjective decision I made, but um, yeah. Okay, so you got currencies. That's for those of you who trade Forex, things like that. George Soros, one of the wealthiest men in the world. You know what George Soros did? He basically almost bankrupted 
London, United Kingdom, England. He bet against, in one day, he bet against the value of the currency that they use in the UK, which is GBP, Great British uh, uh, Pounds, right? Um, sterling, they call it. And he won the bet. He basically bet against, and he made, he just made like a penny per transaction, but he did like, you know, a gillion transactions and he made a billion bucks in one day. So let me ask you, going back to the beginning, remember how I was saying when you're smart, yes, you do have to work hard. I, I like to say instead of work hard, you gotta train hard. And then there's guys making a billion dollars in one day. That's not from hard work, that's from brain power and a little luck. We won't forget that. But for each of you watching, you're probably not gonna make a billion dollars ever in a day. I've never made a billion dollars in a day. But the principles that George Soros used, which is high-level thinking, the ability to predict, use signals to predict what's gonna happen in the future, you know, made him a billion dollars in one day. People, you see like rappers and stuff talking about G's and all that, oh no, 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 no. The highest paid rapper was released, uh, the, the chart yesterday. I don't know if you saw this. P. Diddy made $130 million last year. Um, number two was Drake. Drake was two. No, Drake was two. He made about 100 mil. But music makes money, no mistake. But there's ballers out, hedge fund guys that understand this intangibles, currencies, crypto. And I'm going to throw in here equities. And I'm going to put in here the stock market as an intangible because... You could argue that it is tangible. Okay, I get it. Somebody's gonna try to argue with me. But I'm calling it intangible because for all intents and purposes, you're trained to eat on a secondary market. It's a kind of a fantasy world. It, it, the stock market is half truth and half lies. So it's half public perception. That's why I call it intangibles. So uh, there's guys managing hedge funds. There's a guy managing hedge funds a few years ago. He made, this was his personal pay. Imagine getting this paycheck, $400 million a month. $400 million a month. So P. Diddy, it's awesome, making 130. You know, Drake making over 100. Rihanna, uh, Jay-Z's high up there. Even DJ Khaled did well. He made about 30 mil. But that's chump change, chump change. These dudes are making $400 million a month. He made $4 billion and... Because of the tax code that's insane in the United States, which is basically called, there's an exemption on something called carried interest, which is BS because carried interest is the same as your paycheck. It's how hedge fund guys pay themselves through what's called carried interest. They only pay 20% tax. So that means somebody working at McDonald's is probably paying the same amount. Of their, if you work at McDonald's, you're probably in the sub 20% tax code because the U.S. has what's called a graduated tax code. So when you don't make much money, you don't pay much on the beginning. Like the first seven, 10 grand, you pay zero tax. But anyway, if you're a manager at McDonald's making 30, 40,000, these hedge fund dudes, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blow your mind on this. Warren Buffett, who I consider the smartest guy in the world when it comes to money, him and Charlie Munger, you know how much taxes he paid? Basically, I, I look at how much taxes I make and the second richest man in the world, and I'm like, this guy's smarter than me. He paid in 2015, he released his tax returns. He only paid $2 million of taxes. 
holy crap, because he's got brains here. He, and he didn't break any laws. He publicly released it. The IRS blessed it. That's what I was trying to tell you. When you understand the nine ways to make money, you know, then all of a sudden money flows to you and it's an unfair world. And there's a saying, if you can't beat them, sometimes you got to join them. And I'm not talking about doing something unethical because it's not unethical. That's the way the U.S. law is. It's kind of insane. I mean, literally, he paid $2 million federal tax. And he's, he, and I'm going to tell you why, by the way, if you don't know. If you look over here on this category, business entrepreneurship, I put as number one. The number one way each of you watching will make money, okay, is from a business. So either you'll be making somebody else rich in a business, or you'll own your own, or you'll be a partner in one. That's it. Warren Buffett owns a company called Berkshire Hathaway which is what's called a C corporation. So it has its own tax bracket. So if it makes a profit, he'll pay, you know, 30 to 40% taxes, his company will. But if he doesn't distribute it into his own bank account, it's separate tax codes. The US and most of the world have it set up that way. So it's not like Warren Buffett's, but even Warren Buffett says it ain't fair. Um, okay, so I have a lot of courses on my, on my website if you wanna learn how to start a business whether it be in sales, e-commerce, physical stuff. So if you haven't checked that out, go to tylobas.com. But I want to talk here about hard assets for a second because I just took a trip for a lot of people have been asking me, my Snapchat, my Instagram story, you know, was me in Virginia. I was looking at, I bought um, two farms in Virginia in the last year, two big pieces of land. One's not big, it's 16 acres only, but it has two industrial sheds on it. And um, those have a lot of value because we can build businesses in these big sheds. We, I'm going to build a tiny house business, creating affordable housing. You see people getting their houses blown away all over the world, Puerto Rico, Houston, uh, Florida, and other states. So I'm going to build affordable housing in one of these sheds. So that is real estate, number category four I want to talk about. And by the way, I've had a real, I have a, I partnered up with a business partner of mine. Well, he's a business partner, so obviously I partnered, but his name's Cole Hatter, and he, and I built a real estate course, how you could get started investing in real estate. What's the link again? Can you get that link? I'll, I'll show you guys the link. If you want to get in, it's open only for the next four days. So I've had it open twice or two or three times this year. This is your chance to get in in 2017. Then I'm closing it up. Okay. All right. Now let's talk. Somebody said that I love the tiny house idea. How did you make money, Ty? A combination of all these nine things. I've been involved. Now, some of these I don't do as much. I don't do that much gold, silver, or commodities, but I've been in that before. Sales was the foundation for me. E-commerce. Now I do a little bit of physical stuff. Like my company, Mentor Box Ships, is the largest nonfiction book shipping company in the world. A club. It's a club. And then I've done, I do real estate part-time. Currencies, crypto, I'm actually working on a big thing with cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and ICO. And then the stock market I've done. I used to manage money in the stock market. Um, so the point being, the way to make money is have a diversified portfolio. You don't necessarily have to do all nine of these, but for the most part, you need to at least have three. The average multimillionaire has over seven different sources of wealth. That confuses people around me. A lot of people are like, oh, Ty, what's the one way you make money? I'm like, dude, what is wrong with you? I try to tell you, I don't want to be able to say there's one way that made my money because that's a non-diversified way. 
Here comes Pablo Escobar. He's still alive. Pablo Escobar's brother is suing for one billion? They ain't gonna beat Netflix. Netflix, there's no way that... Okay, so somebody said, let me take a few questions. Diego Chavez Campi says, what do you think about Robert Kiyosaki? That's the author of the book. Um, well, he has multiple books, but the best known one is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he talks somewhat about this. He has his own style. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't, I haven't read them that much, but there's, you know, it's good stuff in there. Most of these books, people are way too skeptical in life, man. If you're too skeptical, you're going to miss out on everything. Seriously. <laughs> like I said, $100 in Bitcoin in 2010, you'd have $75 million. So all the work you've been doing, people say hard work's how you get rich, but also being at the right place at the right time can make you rich too. Playboy Izzy said, thoughts on Hugh Hefner? Hey, Hugh Hefner is a guy that utilized this categories right here. Sales. He built a licensing company. People don't realize the way, uh, Hugh Hefner, by the way, died last night. Yeah, or two nights ago. And um, people don't understand. I actually, I was, knock on wood, I was kind of lucky. I went to the last Hugh Hefner party at his house last month. It's called the Midsummer Night Dream. And his son, Cooper Hefner, invited me. Apparently, he follows me on social media because he randomly tweeted out to me and said, do you want to come to a party? So I went there, and that was the last one. That party's been going since, I think, the 60s. So it's kind of cool to be there, um, it was kind of cool to be there. Um, anyway, but Hugh Hefner used all these sales. He built a licensing division that had licensed Playboy things around the world. In China, you got, you got perfume, you have you know Playboy sweatpants and all that. And he took usually a licensing company, he would get 5% of any company. Now he didn't have to run the companies. Remember how I said it's not just about working hard it's about working smart so think about this Hugh Hefner creates the brand called Playboy becomes well known globally known and instead of him trying to make money just on his own work he said listen any of you can use my um you guys can use my platform or my brand name Playboy and you can make a condom line you can make a sock line he said I don't care he would charge him up front so he'd be like you give me a million bucks up front on day one and then you give me 5%, it, it, and it varied, I'm just saying, on average, 5%. And, this do, and, and, Hugh Hefner, and those brands did $1 billion a year, those different companies using the one Playboy brand, and he made 5%. So he made, he, it's actually he made a little more, but he was making, let's say, $100 bucks plus a year from a division of sales, I could make a further subcategory under this number one sales, which is called licensing. So under sales, you could put licensing, you could put franchising. That's what, if you've read, the, if you've seen the movie that just came out called The Founder with Michael Keaton, it's the story of McDonald's. And one of the things Ray Kroc did, instead of working hard, he worked hard and smart. And he said the McDonald's brothers, they were just working hard, but not smart. And the McDonald's brothers were two brothers here in Los Angeles County out like I think they were in like Riverside or something, out that direction. And they, by the way, stole the idea from Carl's Jr. <laughs> Carl's Jr. was first before McDonald's. The, the McDonald's brothers took that idea, built one hamburger joint. They built one. And you know what this guy named Ray A. Kroc, who was just a traveling salesman, that's all he did right here. He was a traveling salesman, 
in number one sales. Remember how I told you the reason you want to learn sales is because billionaires usually, about 70% of them, start in sales or at some point participate in sales. There's a good book on this. I'll try to put a link to it. But he shows up to the McDonald's brothers and he says, he says he was selling milkshake machines and, and packages. And he said, you want to buy a milkshake thing? And they were like, yeah. And then he said, man, you guys are doing really well. You've created a badass system. He said, why don't you make more of these across the United States? And the guy goes, uh, the two brothers go, well, we don't want to. It would be hard to manage. And basically, Ray Kroc said, forget that. And he sold McDonald's. I mean, he bought McDonald's eventually from them for like, do you know how little he paid? This is a crazy story. It's going to blow your mind. The McDonald's brothers sold, I think he paid them a million or something each. Now, this is a long time ago. It was like in the fifth, uh, no, no. Was it in the 60s or 70s? I can't remember the year, but I think it was 60 or 70s. He, he bought it for $1 million then, okay? And at first, the McDonald's brothers owned a part of the new McDonald's, but they sold it to him. If they had kept it, their annual share of the profits of McDonald's today, now they're not alive, but today, is 100 million bucks a year. And they sold it out, man, for like a million bucks. It's stupid because people don't understand the school system, the stuff I'm telling you right now, you don't realize. You're lucky that I'm telling you this. I'm not saying that in a cocky way. Trust me, you're lucky because people didn't tell me this. Some of you are young. If you learn this stuff young, one of my mentors, Alan Nation, said, he said, I said, what do you think about young people who learn this stuff? He goes, they're the lucky ones. The true definition of luck in the modern world is those of you who learn early. You figure out your destiny early. Everybody tells you you got to spend your whole life, you know, finding yourself. Nope. The lucky ones figure it out very, very early. Okay. So sales. Now let's go here to real estate because the other way that McDonald's made a tremendous amount of money, people don't realize this. Who do you think owns some of the best real estate in the world? Where's their McDonald's in New York? Times Square, the hearts of Manhattan. I, I um, was just at a place uh, in Soho, Spring and Hudson, one of the prime real estate places. If you saw the place, I was leasing it. I decided not to keep it because it's too small. I'm used to these bigger places in California. New York is like so compacted. It makes me go crazy. If you're from Southern California, man, New York takes some while to get used to. But McDonald's is right there on the corner, prime real estate. So McDonald's made money in sales. Hugh Hefner, by the way, made money in sales. They made money in e-commerce, specifically Playboy did. Um, And then they had physical businesses. If you go to Vegas, there's a Playboy, there was a Playboy club, okay? There was even a Playboy Airlines at one point. But real estate, you know that Hugh Hefner's mansion sold for $100 million, and I think he bought it. For God, I forget. Look up what Hugh Hefner paid originally. Was it like five million bucks or something? And of course, appreciation. And he made a ton of money during the time. So you guys need to master at least, well, you need to master all of these, but you can't do necessarily nine at the same time. You don't necessarily going to do commodities, currencies, crypto, stock market, gold, silver, real estate, physical business, e-commerce sales. But some of you will. And I promise if any of you ever get your portfolio to the place, that you have nine operating, rocking, and rolling at one time, 
you'll have more money than you have now. That's what I'll guarantee you right now if you get nine of these operating. How much? Yeah, he bought the Playboy Mansion for one million and he sold it for 100 mil. Not a bad appreciation. One turns into 100, okay? And Playboy as a company is probably worth anywhere from two to 500 million. They were trying to buy, sell Playboy for 500. It's too high, no one would buy it. So, okay, let's talk about category four because I have my real estate program open with Cole Hatter, how you can get started investing in real estate with little money or experience. It's basically, it's like a two month program. You watch it on your phone and it shows you from start to finish. We have a private Facebook group. You can be asking questions. It's fine right now. Yeah. It's, it's okay. I, I'll be, it's just a pain to rip it off. So if you want to get in, you got until, you got four more days. So you can just go to this link, tylopez.com. Just remember these letters, R-E-F-P. Stands for Real Estate Flipping Plan. So this is something that one of my business partners created. It's pretty cool. And I'm in, you'll see, you can go watch the video at any time, tylopez.com slash R-E-F-P. But you got till Sunday if you want to be in this year, okay? Um, someone said create a brand. Yeah, brand is under category. So let's talk about number four of the nine ways, real estate. Now, under real estate, you basically have two types of real estate investors, full-time, FT, and PT. I've always been a part-time, okay? The person who's teaching the most of the course is full-time real estate investor. One of my mentors, a guy named Richard, I don't say his last name because he hates if I mention him publicly, but he's worth $2 billion. And the cool thing about it is this dude hardly works, you know? So, all right. Can you repeat the first three I just got on? Yeah, the first three were under entrepreneurship. They were entrepreneurship. Uh, so that was like category one and it was subdivided into three. So you had sales, you had uh, e-commerce, and then you had physical based businesses. All right. Ties, why is everything backwards? Easy. Because it's a selfie camera. <laughs> okay. So under real estate, you got to make this decision. I recommend most people start off as part-time real estate investor. Here's the thing that you must understand about real estate that people don't get. Supply and demand. If you're in a business that the demand's not always there. Think about Blackberries. You remember Blackberry phone? Blackberries, before iPhones, you had Blackberries. What's the total demand for Blackberries right now? Anybody know? Do you know anybody using a Blackberry? No, is the answer. Although I did, the other day, a guy, I was doing a talk and I told him to download this app and he's like, it's not available on Blackberry. And I'm like, dude, you still have a Blackberry? And he's like, yeah, I don't like to adopt new technology. Do you think it'd be a good investment? I'm like, uh, hello, what are you asking me? Like, you'd be pretty stupid to <laughs> not get a better phone. Um, hey, one thing, Maya, what's the deal with, I told them to wire the money or Armin, you can do it. Tell Nate and them to wire the guy the money, the Mo guy the money. They keep asking for this form and he keep, can, can they just send it please? I already told him to just send it. Anyway, 
by the way. Sorry, I'm doing a little business here. Doing business while we talk. For any of you that get butt hurt and are like, Ty, pay attention, you're being rude. I'm not being rude. This is a free talk, so you get what you pay for. Okay. I wonder how long I could not talk and people would still stay. Always be experimenting, by the way. My numbers stayed almost exactly the same. Maybe I'm more interesting when I don't talk. <laughs> Urbane fellow said, 10 seconds and I'm out. Okay, you can leave. I don't care. <laughs> People sometimes threaten me. They're like, dude, if you don't do this, I'm going to leave your live call. I'm like, why would I care? It's a free call. <laughs> as far as I could tell, you'd be less distractions. Um, okay. Never let people threaten. It's called, by the way, I'll give you a little side note. Negotiation technique number one. There's a great uh, book on the psychology of negotiation. One of the books is about game theory. It's called Art of Strategy. You can only negotiate in a dominant way, which is the best way to negotiate, when you have a dominant position. People forget that. <laughs> so if, I'll give you an example. If you are five foot one and you weigh 100 pounds and you go up to Rome, I don't know if you've seen Rome. He's with me a lot. He's six foot seven, 315 pounds. He's big. He got 22 inch biceps. And you say to Rome, listen, man, if you don't get out of my way, you're going to regret it. He's going to be like, there's no negotiation because what are you going to do? Push him when you weigh 100 pounds? He's going to toss you. So you're not in a dominant position. So sometimes people try to negotiate with me from a non-dominant position. If I have thousands and tens of thousands of people watch me on a live call, no one person is going to be able to be like, dude. I'm gonna leave if you don't talk about this one thing that I want because you're not in a dominant position. So just remember that because in the future, you're gonna have to negotiate real estate contracts, by the way. You're gonna have to negotiate business contracts. You're gonna have to negotiate with employees. You're gonna have to negotiate. If you don't have a dominant position, don't try to take a dominant stance, okay? It just doesn't work, man. It doesn't work. They call that FU money. When you're rich enough, for example, if someone goes to Bill Gates and goes, listen, man, if you don't show up at my conference like you said you were gonna speak, I ain't gonna wire you the 100 grand speaking fee. Bill Gates is gonna be like, dude, I make 100 grand in, in, every 15 minutes from interest alone on my network, you know, on my assets. There's no negotiation there. So what you have to do, by the way, in game theory, there's something called tit for tat and contrite tit for tat. These are advanced methodologies of negotiation. And contrite tit for tat basically means you should start out nice, especially when you don't have a position of, of dominance in a negotiation. It's kind of the best example is when like a guy's dating a girl and the girl doesn't really like the guy that much. And he's like, if you don't, you know, like, if you don't come over tonight, go on this date with me, that's it. I was watching, uh, for those of you who watched The Office with Michael Scott, remember that one uh, episode where this girl, it, Holly, was Holly the realtor? No, no, Holly was the one he ended up marrying. There was a chick before her that was his realtor. And she comes over and she's like, did you? Because he sent her a Christmas present, which was his face photoshopped into a picture of her with her ex-husband and her kids. And she goes, this is a very creepy thing. Why would you cut your face into a picture with me on vacation with my ex-husband and my kids. And he's like, you know, cause I love you. And she's like, I gotta break up with you. You're too weird, right? And so 
<laughs> Michael Scott goes, don't you leave here. If you walk out of this office, it's over. And she's like, I know, I'm breaking up with you. It's a little bit like Donald Trump tried to do with Steph Curry. Steph Curry goes, I don't really want to go to the White House because apparently he didn't like Donald Trump. And Donald Trump goes, you're not allowed to go anymore. And, and that's, you, that's not a dominant. Donald Trump's a great negotiator, but in that case, he was not a great negotiator because if somebody wanted to go to your, doesn't want to go to your party, and then you say, you can't go to my party, how the hell is that a negotiation? And that's like, you're fired. No, I quit. It's like, no, you already lost. He fired you first. Whoever fires first wins that battle. Um, okay, so with real estate, you got full-time and part-time. Now, below that category, you have multiple uh, products. I call them products, even though most people don't understand productizing things. Basically, to make money, you have to productize things that aren't normally productized. For example, Uber productized the taxi business in a different product, okay? The old, the old products for um, taxis was yellow cab. That was your like one product. You go to New York City, still to this day, you see yellow cabs everywhere. If you're in London, you see these black cabs, these old fashioned little cars, right? So Uber came in and took an existing commodity and turned it into a different type of product. So when you think about real estate or anything, you have to productize it. And the way I productize mentally, real estate, whether you're full-time or part-time, it doesn't matter. You basically have raw land, that's product number one. That's, by the way, the real estate that I mostly do, but you don't have to copy exactly what I'm doing. You have raw land, okay? Then you have commercial, okay? Then you have residential, and under, under residential, you can basically subcategorize that. You have flips, you have buy and hold, and I would even put um, as a separate category, you, you can divide residential into multi-unit too. Because you, a lot of times residential flips are usually, not always, but a lot of times they're single family homes and stuff like that. So you have multi-unit, which as, and basically as you get more advanced, you can do more of these. But with real estate, you don't necessarily wanna start out. For example, raw land, what I do, in many ways is the most complicated one because there's no assets on it. Does that make sense? There's no assets on, raw land besides the land. So if you mess up and you make a mistake, guess what happens? You don't have as much resale value. You get in big trouble, but raw land can make you the most money. So it's an advanced tactic that you do later in the game, okay? By the way, tylopez.com slash R-E-F-P, R-E-F-P. If you go there, you got four more days. If you want to work with Cole Hatter and I helping you Learn how to invest in real estate with little money or experience, okay? Now, what's the easiest of these? Raw, commercial. Commercial is also more difficult to start with. If you don't have much money, you don't have great credit, you don't have a lot of experience, you probably don't want to start with commercial unless you have a mentor or a very special deal because with commercial real estate is more expensive. I'm working on a commercial real estate deal right now, and it's $11.8 million deal. So it's expensive. When I was first starting out, I didn't even have $11,000. Um, but as you become more skilled and hopefully build more money, you know, you're more liquid, you, then you have a chance to do commercial deals. And not all commercial deals are $11 million, you know. Um, 
So commercial raw, I wouldn't do those at the beginning. Now you have multi-units. That one potentially you could do at the beginning, but again, multi-units are generally more expensive because you're get, like an apartment complex or even a duplex, a triplex, fourplex. These are more expensive because you get more units. So I wouldn't always even start out with that one, okay? But here, on the residential side, you can flip or buy and hold. Now there's a subcategory of flipping, which is called wholesaling, okay? There's a further category underneath flipping called wholesaling because, and then the other category of flip is the whole unit. So here's what I mean by that. Wholesaling means you actually don't even own the, policy, the, the, the um, property. You basically put it under contract, you don't own it yet, and you sell somebody else the contract for more than you put it under contract for. The beauty of wholesaling, okay, the beauty of wholesaling is that potentially, if you do it right, you can do it for under 500 bucks. I got a guy, he was just on camera, you got 500 bucks and you're doing flips of the contract called wholesaling for like five to 15 grand per piece for per contract that you flip. But you gotta learn how to do it. And that's something Cole Hatter at tylopez.com slash REFP. If you wanna be in the next test group, that is something, it's, man, it's amazing. Let me just read you this. A girl just kinda cool here. I get all kinds of testimonials and um, she, what did she put? She's already gone through the program and put seven, seven uh, properties under contract and she's making money on all of them. So it's kind of cool. All right, let me take some questions. What do we got here? The hard part is finding the deals. Depends, depends if you got the skill in finding the deals. They're all around you. Deals, houses are under contract all around you, man, all around you. What's your take on buying commodities? I talked about, that's a whole nother conversation. Someone said buying and sell silver or gold. Whole other conversation. Commodities, you can make a lot of money, but you can go broke real fast because commodities are not tangible assets in the sense that there's nothing there. It's a piece of paper contract, most commodity contracts. If you're, if you're doing contracts, uh, commodities trading, corn futures, or you're trading, trading pork bellies, or you're trading, you can do things like tin or aluminum and stuff like that, but you don't actually have the aluminum in your house or something like that. Somebody said, what about flipping cars? Yeah, that's a viable one. That's a viable one. Grant Cardone's philosophy is 16 units. Yeah, I mean, those are great. Grant talks a lot about multi-units, which is a very powerful way. But sometimes if you don't have the money to start, you can look at multiple. And, and some of it comes down to what you actually like to do. You gotta keep that in mind. There's different things I could do that would make me more money, but I don't necessarily get enjoyment from them. See, some people like to flip homes because they like to like renovate a house. If you like to renovate a house, then doesn't matter what will make you the most money, you gotta factor in the enjoyment factor too. I think about the enjoyment factor almost more than anything. Let me give away some cash here. I'm gonna reset Insta. All right, let me post this real quick. How'd you meet your mentors? Good question. All right, let's do this giveaway. Hold on. Let's give away some cash. I'm gonna do a question. What's up, Instagram? What's up, Instagram? Part two of my live talk going. I'm giving away some cash right now. We're talking about the nine ways you can multiply money, okay, without just having a nine to five job. 
You guys coming in on part two. I'm gonna give away 100 bucks right now. My PayPal, this is somebody. Not this whole stack, this is $10,000 of fake money actually, but I'll send you real PayPal money. So here's my question to you. For those of you who've been taking notes, those of you taking notes, what did I say is probably the hardest way to invest in real estate? First person to answer gets $100. What's the type of real estate that's probably the hardest to start? There we go. Omari Brown on YouTube. Raw land. Raw land because it doesn't have any income producing asset. So you can lose all your money. 100 bucks. By the way, two people who stay to the end are about to get brand new Apple Watch iPad Pro and a helicopter, which I am having delivered. If you can catch a helicopter, you can have it. So raw land is tricky. Good, I'll do some more of these. Commercial is not harder than raw land. I mean, some t- technically raw land is oftentimes commercial land. Raw land, farmland is in between because it's residential too. All right, the easiest way is wholesaling. Yeah, the e- I'm not gonna say which is the easiest, but the way that takes the least capital, the least money, in terms of having upfront money, is things like wholesaling. Because even flips, you have to usually put a little bit of money down. Sometimes if you can get seller financing, you can do it with zero money down, but it's a little bit tricky. That's not always available, okay? So I have a leasing land to farmers for hunting. Yep. My friend in Texas, he grew up, listen to this, where they had big deer down there in like the middle of nowhere, Texas, they would charge $20,000 a gun for two weeks to 20 hunters that would come. So they'd make 400,000 in two weeks just renting out the ability to shoot deer on their land. So some of you don't like that if you're anti-hunting, but I thought that was an interesting way to make 400 Gs in two weeks. So yes, if now they had really big deer there, you're not gonna be, depending on where you live in the world, you're not always gonna be able to do that, but there is definitely an opportunity Hunters will pay money and they come from the city. And uh, yeah, so land is money, damn, yep. Okay, now let's talk about for a second, anything to do with real estate. What's gonna keep you on these four, we got five different live streams going. What's the reason you're not already doing real estate? Think about it, think about it. Okay. What's the reason you're not already doing it? I think everybody who has a brain understands the most millionaires in the United States were made through real estate. Not billionaires, but the most millionaires, okay? So why are you not doing it? Someone said, uh, fear of failure, lack of money to invest, age, boring. (laughs) They need a license. You don't need a license to invest in real estate. You need one to be a real estate agent or a broker. Too much upkeep cost, but what if you never own the property? What if you flip it? Money isn't always the issue. I don't have the knowledge, Jose Contreras said. How would you market? Oh, that's a separate question. Lack of knowledge, procrastination, too poor, excuses, too much work. Okay, let me just tell you this. It's kind of like health. You gotta make time for it. Because real estate is based, there's not one wealthy person in the world that doesn't have, that I've ever heard of. Maybe there is. But 99.99999% of million, especially billionaires, have invested in real estate. At least 10% of their portfolio is in real estate. Almost everybody. Now, super huge guys like Bill Gates, he has so much money, I'm not sure that 10% is real estate, but it probably is. There's something called REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust. 
So he can invest without, that's a whole nother category. There's things called REIT roll-ups. These are things that billionaires do that not everybody can do. Gabriel Mercado said bad credit. So let me just tell you a, a true story. Uh, not last December, but the December before, a little over a year ago, or a year and a half ago, I bought a piece of land in Virginia, and I put down exactly zero dollars, zero credit check, okay? In fact, I just, if you were on my Snapchat, you would see that I was, uh, I just posted pictures there, okay? Zero cash down, and how did I do it? Brain power, and the ability to look for the right situation and act at the right time. And I basically went to the owner and they needed to sell. And I said, look, you need to sell this, right? And they're like, yep. And I said, all right. Now, I have good credit. My credit's like, I don't know, eight. Uh, no, not, it's, uh, no, I think it is. I think it's right around 800, 790 or 810. It depends on which of the, there's three main tax uh, credit bureaus. You got TransUnion, Equifax, and uh, uh, I'm having a brain freeze right now. But you kind of blend them together. So, that wasn't the issue, but I didn't need credit because I basically said, will you be the bank? And he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, can I just pay you very, oh, Experian, yeah. I just said, I'll pay you slowly back. And, um, and we did basically, we didn't transfer the deed into my name. So I, I said, look, if I miss payments, you just get the property back. Oh wait, I actually did two like this. I did two like this. Uh, and I did the other one about seven months ago. So you can just buy, you can just literally, if you know how to do it, there's real estate all around the United States that, now not all real estate, about 95% of real estate deals you can't do that with, okay? But you can with like 5%, and 5% of real estate in the United States is a lot of freaking real estate. Remember, American real estate, I think is worth five trillion or something like that, it's in the trillions. So the whole beauty of this thing is it's basically costing you nothing, you know what I'm saying? In terms of upfront fees and things like that. Now you gotta pay it over time, but I'll tell you this, it's interesting with real estate. If you buy the right real estate with no credit check, no money down, guess what happens? You can then rent out the property, get the money from the renters and give it to the owner. So basically the renters are paying off the property for you, okay? Would I buy real estate in Canada? Um, you know, I don't know Canada, so I wouldn't, but if you live in Canada and you understand Canada, then why not? You know what I'm saying? All right. Okay. What about real estate in Iran? If you live in Iran, I know nothing about it, but here's the deal. The reason millionaires and billionaires always have some money in real estate it is guaranteed demand if you buy in the right place. But the general category of real estate, people need homes. People need food and shelter and water, okay? That's about the, in the biggest recession in history, in the American history, which is 1929 stock crash, right? Stock market crashed in 1929. Black, what was it, Black Friday? You know, there's a huge crash. Money disappeared from the planet. Guess what happened? People still living in homes. Somebody said clothes on their back. Man, you could be naked if you had a piece, if you had a home. What would you rather have, a home or have clothes? If you had a choice, you, you could just stay in the house, but you'll die without shelter. 
So thoughts on wholesaling. That's this program that we had. Yeah, somebody said Maslow's hierarchy. Tylopez.com slash REFP. When you get off this, or if you want to take a second, head over there and uh, check out. You got four days if you want to get in the, the group where Cole Hatter and I will personally guide you through how to get started in real estate investment. Even if you have little cash, little uh, experience, bad credit, you can still get started. Get started wherever you are is one of my pieces of advice to people. What about investing in beach rental properties? Hey, it's great. In beach rental properties, it's more expensive to start because generally, unless you're like right now, you might be able to buy Puerto Rican beach property because of the hurricanes and stuff like that is probably cheap. But in general, around the world, real estate that's on the water in desirable places is going to be much harder to start with because it's usually the most expensive properties. Like in, in LA, the most expensive properties are basically on the west side, which is closer. Now, Beverly Hills is an exception, but you have, you know, as you keep going Bel Air and you go to Brentwood and you get to Malibu and Santa Monica, those properties are very, very expensive. And almost everywhere in the world, you know, if you're in, let's say, um, Norway, most expensive properties like Oslo are on the water, okay? Sister just bought rental condo in Myrtle Beach. Yeah, Myrtle Beach, you know, South Carolina. It's a great place. Someone said you need the mastermind cryptocurrency. Yeah, for even those of you who are entrepreneurs, for those of you who are doing cryptocurrencies, for those of you trading Forex, for those of you doing gold, for those of you who have nine-to-five jobs, for those of you who are, you know, unemployed, okay, you still... I would, if I could go back in time and be, you know, 18 again, I would want somebody saying this exact message, buy some real estate. You can get in when you're 18. There's, in the United States, the day you're 18, you can unencumbered buy real estate. When you're younger, you can still buy real estate, but depending where you are, you might have to get, you know, it's a little more complicated when you're not an adult because banks might not deal with you contractually. You might need your parents to sign. They might ask for that. Okay, so, but at 18, in America, at 18, when it comes to business, you're a full adult. You can't necessarily, you know, buy alcohol, but you can make money. I got people making money that are following me that are like 15 years old, 14 years old, starting businesses. In fact, some of the people doing the best are the youngest because they're open-minded. Nellie Flores says, I hate my job. I can't do in this eight to five thing. Well, there is no change without a change of routine. Some of the problems that people watching have and I've had in life is when you're not willing to change your routine, but you just complain about it. You can't just complain. You got to change your routine. You know, my, one of my real estate mentors, Richard, uh, he's like 70 now. He started at 12 or 13. It's kind of cool. Someone said, Larissa said, Ty, I got your live stream blaring in the car with the windows down. <laughs> That's funny. What about buying real estate in areas that may become gentrified? Amber said, Hey, you guys hear the new Jay-Z album? What's one of the, what are the things that Jay-Z talked about? Dumbo. There's a place in Brooklyn, right next to Manhattan. It's right on the river before you get into Manhattan. It's called Dumbo. And he said something. What? Pull up those lyrics from the Jay-Z song. Put Jay-Z Dumbo. He basically said he was a Dumbo for not buying in Dumbo because, oh, here we go. Dumbo, what's it say? Let me read these lyrics. I'm going to be a rapper right now. No, Jay-Z. You forgot Jay-Z. You just put Dumbo lyrics. He said, here we go. He said, 
I could have bought a place in Dumbo before it was Dumbo for like $2 million. That same building today is worth $25 million. Guess how I'm feeling now, Dumbo. Some of you are going to call yourself in a Dumbo just like Jay-Z because in a few years from now or a decade from now or less, you're going to literally be like, damn it, I could have bought in blankety-blank place. And Dumbo, so Brooklyn is a place that's becoming gentrified. There's a place called Williamsburg. There's various areas. areas. If it comes gentrified, you'll end up making more money. Now, not all people like gentrification, but how can you know, uh, uh, own nothing but control everything in real estate? Well, you can't if you own. I mean, you, Airbnb is an example. They don't own any real estate. They're, they're basically an entrepreneurial venture under so they're a combination of like category one and category two. It's both entrepreneurial and, but they don't really have hard assets because they use other, it's like Uber. Uber used to actually have cars. They had a leasing division. They shut that down. So somebody said, Ty, why are you putting off my question that you can make money from? I don't know, probably because I didn't see your comment and it doesn't even grammatically make sense. So I might've ignored it. <laughs> it's just like, are you? Maybe you're not from America, so your English is bad, so I won't, I'll give you a break. But that question doesn't make sense. Where do you make money of? I'm gonna start asking people, where do you make money of? I think you mean from, maybe? <laughs> um, sorry, I couldn't resist. Somebody said, not doing any marketing. Well, that doesn't add, that doesn't help me. Where can you make money of not doing marketing? Still doesn't make sense. Let's see if this, does this make sense, this question? Buying businesses and selling them after boosting their value? Yep, you can flip businesses too. You can flip real estate, you can flip business, you can do it all. I've done that. I bought a business for $10,000 and I think I made, well, I made 200 grand profit the first month. Or, did I make 200? Over 100 grand. I put down 10 grand and made 100 grand back the same month. Then I ended up, I made like 5X on my money in one year. So you can definitely do that, especially if you know how to add value. But that's more advanced. I might launch a course, a test group, where I'll take a small group of people and I'll walk them through how to buy businesses. But it's, people are more intimidated by that. So what about foreclosures? Yeah, so foreclosures in real estate are not necessarily, you could put them as a category, but it's still... Foreclosures of what? Foreclosures of raw land, foreclosures of commercial real estate, foreclosures of multi-unit, for, foreclosures of residential. So there, it's still the categories I have. That's a subcategory. That's basically how the mechanism that you're using to get a low price on the property. So when it's in foreclosure, that's a mechanism. Okay. So that's, that's a little bit different. All right. What else we got? Maybe I'll give away another hundred bucks. Um, protect your real estate mind with my hat. Do you, are you in a hat business? That's an interesting sales twist. You need my hat to make money in real estate. <laughs> what do, would you do if you only had 20 grand in your pocket at this day and time? I'd go in sales probably. I might pick up some real estate if I could find the ideal property, one that I didn't have to put any cash down and I could use the rental income to float it. Let me, let me do a little snap here. Forgot to Snapchat. I'm live right here talking about the nine ways that you can multiply your money. One of the things I was reading what Jay-Z said, cause we're talking about real estate. You know, I'm closing, you got four days to get my real estate program. And um, 
one of the things that Jay-Z said, pull up that Jay-Z lyrics, because somebody was asking me, where do you buy real estate? Jay-Z, his new album, he has a lyric. He said, I could have bought a place in Dumbo before it was Dumbo for like two million. That same building today is worth 25 million. Guess how I'm feeling, Dumbo. That's true. A lot of us can feel like Dumbos because real estate can pass you by. Real estate will continue to be valuable, not only in the U.S., but globally. And if you're not at least part-time investing in real estate, you're missing out. So you got four days. I'm going to put a little link here if you want to go watch this video right here. It's a free technique that you can use to make money in real estate without any cash experience or even good credit. So can you put the caption on? Can you put it on here? Do you know what it is? Yeah, but we have to use a different link, actually. Uh-oh. Just a moment to ask. Yeah, give me a second. For all of you doing e-commerce, make sure you do use different tracking links so you can see where your uh, customers come from. You know, are they coming from live streams? Are they coming from Instagram, Snapchat? I track everything separately. Sometimes people see my stuff and they think I'm just, you know, does this guy actually know what he's doing? Well, maybe, maybe not. But uh, sometimes people are surprised by the level of sophistication of the stuff I use. Um, what should I caption this? Like Jay-Z said, he could have turned two million into 25 million investing in Dumbo, Brooklyn. Who here's ever been to Dum- Dumbo, Brooklyn? I was just there not too long ago. Free video. Right when I heard that song, when that Jay-Z came out with that new album, I'm like, that's a badass song, man. Somebody said, Escobar196 said he's from New York. Do I use lead pages? I don't, but you could use lead pages if you're doing e-commerce. That's, remember, in the nine ways you can multiply your money, e-commerce is one of those. They said he made $8 million in art. Yep. Ever been to Modesto, California? I don't think I've been there. Isn't that up like in Fresno or something? Somebody said they have 500, they have a business making 500 grand a year. I couldn't see the rest. YouTube comments come in fast, man. I can't always see this. How does the economy affect real estate? Well, here's, okay, let's, that's a good question. Let me talk about this for a second. Let me show you something about real estate that's cool. And people don't understand this correctly. So, Real capital markets, meaning markets in specifically capitalistic countries, okay? Uh, They always go like this. So don't be an idiot and freak out because is there going to be a recession coming? There's always a recession coming. I mean, that's the nature of capitalism. They call it contraction and expansion. It's the natural, natural flow. It's just like this. Your body will never stay the same body fat. Even pro bodybuilders, people in great shape, they go into flux. They're skinny and then they gain more weight and so on. That's the same as the market because it's the natural. It, there's a, what is the, one of the Newton laws of physics? For every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. So the process of getting yourself super skinny and super lean and super cut makes you hungry. So once you do your Mr. U- I, I train with Mr. Universe, the guy who won Mr. Universe last year, Danny Hester won Mr. Universe Classic. You know, he right now is super lean because he was just competing. He got down to like 5% body fat with muscle, which is really hard to do. But now he's like, dude, I'm eating pizzas because the process of getting to 5% created its opposite reaction, which you become very hungry. So it's the same way with the U.S. economy. 
you had 2001, let's say the year 2000, the market was up here. Okay, that's when the internet bubble came and then it crashed and it went down and then it started to go up again around, let's say 2004. And then it, around 2008, it, it crashed, boom. And it went down to about 2012 and it came back up around 2012. And now it's 2016, 17-ish, right? So notice, um, what do these have in common? One of these have in common. Roughly every four, you have eight year contraction cycles. So you have four years where it's, uh, so let's say it crashes here. You have, sorry, it peaks here in 2000. It crashes, takes about, it crashes for about four years. Then there's four years of expansion to 2008, crashes in 2008, it contracts until 2012. It expands into 2016. That's the nature of this game. Let me actually Snapchat this. People will find this interesting. I'm talking about the natural cycles of capitalism. You got 2000, you had the peak in the market. It crashes and there's a contractionary period till 2004. People are broke, broke, broke. And then they, between 2004 roughly and 2008, it goes up. Then it crashes again, 2012. So don't freak out about recessions, it's part of the game. You have to learn how to make money when it goes up and when it makes, and it goes down. Or else you're the sucker in the room. Only the sucker doesn't know that some hands of poker you win and some you don't. Imagine you're playing poker in Vegas. I'm going to Vegas this weekend. Imagine somebody sits down at a poker table and goes, why didn't I win every hand? I'm not gonna play poker anymore. No, in poker, all you gotta do is win more hands than you lose. And you don't even have to win more hands. You just gotta win bigger on the winning hands than you do on the small losing hands. And that's the same with investing in real estate, in business. Don't fear the cycles as part of it. It's like hands of poker. Just make sure you win at the right time. Can you caption that something and then post it? Just like a roller coaster, yeah. So it probably means in the next year or two, we're gonna enter probably into some kind of recessionary period. Nobody knows. But in general, about every eight to 12 years, you have some level of contraction and crash. I don't care if Donald Trump's the president. I don't care if Obama is the president. It's the name of the game. It goes, and you may, I've been able to make money on the down and the up, you know? It's, it, it's part of the poker game of money. Poker is a great analogy for making money. You have to know how to read people. You have to know how to adjust and adapt to the hand that was dealt you. Some of you are complaining about the hand that was dealt you. Welcome to the game of poker of life. <laughs> Some people, sometimes the hand's fair. Sometimes you're dealt, you know, the crappiest hand and sometimes you, you got, you know, four aces. Doesn't happen too often, but you could have four aces. Right out the gate. And there's people like that. They inherit their money. And there's people who start out with a crap hand. They, they fold the first deal but it's a retreat like a wise general so that you can win on the back end. Some of the wisest generals in the military, they retreated. General MacArthur in the Philippines, he retreated on a boat. You know, he was losing. All right, this guy's been asking me this question. Tom, making 500 grand a year in my second year in business with a subscription-based site. I need help marketing and advertising. Haven't done any yet. Take my money and help me. Okay, well, I don't quite have the answer. Could you invest in marijuana at 15? I don't know. I mean, can you? Yes. 
will you possibly go to jail? Yes. So always understand the risk return factor. I'll show you something. Risk return, there's, you can think of it a little bit like the pyramids of England. Uh, I think put it over there more, just a little bit to the right. So you have the risk return. So here at the bottom, you make the least amount of money, like zero dollars or very little, maybe not zero. Here you make the most, right? You make a ton of money. And so here it's easier. There's less risk, and, but you make less money. To make more money, oftentimes you have to take more risks. People forget that. And so this is a great way. So you sell drugs like Pablo Escobar, you make a lot of money, but you have tremendous risk at the top. And you get shot in the face. Didn't he get shot in the head? He got shot in the knee. He got shot, I think the first shot went through his knee. And the second shot, I just read the book that they based Narcos on. It's called Killing Pablo. I think that's what it's called. And, and they shot him through the knee and then they shot him through. He probably got shot in the head. Some people said it was a suicide, but I don't think it was a suicide. He, it, they probably stood over him and shot him in the head to make sure he didn't go to jail because he always was escaping from prison. So I think that um, that's too risk. There's too much risk. What He died at what, 42 years old? It ain't, you don't wanna make a billion dollars and then die right when you could use it. <laughs> it's like kind of a stupid, you know, stupid goal. Um, so down here at the bottom, you got like working fast food, very little risk. I mean, you're not, you're always gonna get paid by McDonald's. If you, now, you ain't gonna get paid much. It's not much more than zero. It's a, they call it not even a living wage. You know, if you work at McDonald's, it's gonna be pretty tough. So, yeah, you just understand that whenever you're talking about money, is it very important to understand this, this natural progression of risk to return. And one of the mistakes people make, like I said, the average drug dealer is taking huge risks and making like 20 grand a year. You go to Chicago, People selling crack on the streets, they're making 20 Gs a year, maybe. Like I said, read the book Freakonomics. What's his name, Stephen Levitt? So, by the way, little side note, saying his name. You guys should check out my uh, Spotify. I'm up on Spotify now, you can listen to my podcast. You can either listen to it like on iTunes, but now I, I got on um, Spotify, put me on there, they fast tracked me. So if you want to listen to some of these talks while you're in the car, you want to learn, you know, you can listen to a little Jay-Z, you can listen to a little Cardi B. You see this whole beef Cardi B and what's her name? Azalea Banks. It's funny. Uh, rap, for those of you like in hip-hop culture, you know what's funny? One of my friends is like a super businessman. He makes, his business makes like 500000 to a million dollars a day. And we were out in New York City and... Um, I was with some friends of mine from Staten Island that are like super into hip hop. And he was like, he asked my friend Alex, the businessman, he's like, well, where do you get your hip hop news from? And my friend's like, there's such a thing as a place to get hip hop news from? He didn't even know that existed. I'm like, Alex, you are the least, you have the least street cred known to mankind. E-40 is the greatest rapper alive. I don't think that, E-40, does he even rap anymore? I sat next to E-40 
not this year, but last year, I was at Game 7 of Golden State Warriors when the, when the Warriors beat the Cavs. And, uh, I mean, vice versa, when the Cavs beat the Warriors. And um, I sat next to E-40. He got his big grills in his teeth. Nas is the best rapper, um, but I don't think he's the best rapper. Not even close, but... Okay, so I want to take questions. I went through the nine ways... And I focused on one of them, right, which was real estate, to talk about, you know, I want to give you a high-level view of nine. To do each of the nine will take me like nine, 19 hours, so uh, I can't go that long. But any of them, let's talk open questions on any of the ones related to any of the nine. Specifically, if you want to talk more on real estate, we can talk about that. Have I talked about, yeah, some of you coming in late. That's okay. You get some value. So, I'm on your Facebook so much like we we're friends. Wish I could hang with you one day. Maybe I will. Bitcoin. Let's talk for a second about Bitcoin. 100 bucks into Bitcoin in 2010 would be 75 million in your bank account today. There's cryptocurrency Bitcoin, uh, uh, cryptocurrency billionaires right now. So, one of the things, here's the thing with cryptocurrencies. Mark Cuban has a crypto unicorn they talked about. Here's the thing about cryptocurrencies. Some people are going to become very wealthy. They already have. And some people are going to get into it late or at the wrong time. But cryptocurrencies, I tend to think they're, they're going to be here for the long run. There will be cycles of cryptocurrency where if you buy at the wrong time and you sell down here, you're going to lose money. And there will be people who buy at low and sell high. The thing about cryptocurrencies is they can make a lot of them. And now with something called ICOs, uh, initial coin offerings, there's basically infinite amount of coins could be made at this point. And so the downside is you can have what's called a, basically you can have a substitution deflation, meaning there's a coin that you own and people stop using that coin and they switch to another coin. So the big coin, the, bi the big cryptocurrencies now are, Bitcoin's still the golden standard, but you have something called Ethereum, and there's many what they call alt currencies, alternatives to the big ones. Um, and some people are putting a lot of money in those. Uh, and some people are staying, you know, with the big, with the big names um, in cryptocurrency. But the cool thing, like Bill Gates says cryptocurrency will be here forever. He thinks the government won't be able to re regulate it. China's trying to regulate it. The problem with trying to regulate a cryptocurrency, it's like regulating the internet. It's like not that easy to regulate the internet. <laughs> How are you going to regulate the internet? In China, they regulate the internet. And people just use VPNs, virtual private networks, and they just tunnel in and access American internet uh, from China. Now, it does stop some people. So, you know, the SEC in the United States just basically released a statement. They're going to try to regulate ICOs. So it's going to be a complicated world, but I'm actually doing a crypto invite-only mastermind at my house next Wednesday, uh, next weekend. So I'm a, I'm, a lot of the top guys are flying in, different smart people I know, some business people, some crypto people. So I might live stream some of that next week. Somebody said, if they only knew about Bitcoin 10 years ago. Not even 10 years ago, man. Eight years ago. Eight years ago is all you need, my friend. Bitcoins are once under $1, somebody said. 
Bitcoin has a brand. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like currencies in the United in the world right now. There's a I think 193 countries roughly. Um, there's not 193 uh, sovereign currencies, but there's a lot. You have the U.S., which is still the gold standard, but then you have GBP, you have euros, you have you know in Norway they have in Sweden have their own uh, sovereign currency. You have pesos in Mexico. You've got yen, you've got rupee. I mean, there's, it's the same with coins and cryptocurrency. You've got a lot of different ones. Sean says he wants to come for the meeting. Any of you want to come to the meeting? Now, I'm only inviting like people really expertise in, this, in that space. So you can DM me on Twitter, at Ty Lopez on Twitter. It's my verified Twitter. Um, or if you have somebody you recommend I should, that should come. But it's not open. I can't fit everybody in my house, so it's not like an. It's not like if you want to learn. It's just for. It's like a. It's a war room for top Bitcoin or business uh, experts are going to be there, and I'm only going to invite like probably like 12 Bitcoin, uh, not crypto, not just Bitcoin. Um, I have a friend of mine that might be interested. Someone said, "Is selling domains worth it?" I mean, people making money. The whole entrepreneurial thing is for a separate conversation. But yes, there's money in flipping domains. I mean, if you had bought a domain, what's an example of a domain? I mean, Match.com, somebody bought, the founder of the dating site, Match.com, he bought that domain for very low price. And um, if you had bought it before him, you might've been able to flip it and sell it to him. It's people spending a hundred grand. I've spent a lot of money on domains. I mean, I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on domains, if I added it up, maybe more, hopefully not more, but. I'm not, I'm not, they call those, you know, there are people that their main business is buying domain names, you know, Coca-Cola, well, you can't buy Coca-Cola, but uh, soda.com, sex.com, business.com. One of the, my business partners, Sam, he has consulting.com and uh, he's got a program that some of you have been in. I'm going to, I'm actually building a joint program with him with consulting.com if you want to learn how to be a consultant, which is going back to one of the nine ways you make money. You know, number one is the entrepreneurial side, specifically on the sales side. Finally, I'll notice the Bitcoin. My cat or a dog person, Nancy says, dog. I mean, I don't mind cats, but I have two German shepherds. Where are they? Did we lock them up? Yeah. I mean, we didn't lock, by the way, when I say lock up, I got the most spoiled dogs in the world. They have about, uh, what, quarter of an acre <laughs> to run around. I just have a little pen because they're kind of big dogs and sometimes people get scared. But it's not like a little cooped up thing. It's literally, I don't know, 200. It's like half my basketball court. But they're barely back there. They get depressed. They want to play. But when I do this talk, they'll knock over all the equipment. <laughs> uh, they crack me up. Okay, a few last questions. We've been on here two hours, almost. So, tell your biggest profit off one deal. It's uh, a good question. I mean, are we talking business? Are we talking trading? Are we talking flipping businesses, owning businesses? I mean, I've made, you know, I've made... Mm, I don't know. That's a good question. I never think like that. I never like to have one big deal. Some people like to build a business where they have like one big deal every quarter. I really think the better way to think about it is create daily cash flow for yourself. 
even hourly. So I look at my hourly income. I mean, I've made in an hour, probably the most I've ever made. I don't know, a couple hundred G's in it. I mean, I made like close to, I made like a million bucks in 24 hours before, you know? So that's probably in business stuff. Someone said, I made 15 grand on a side business the first year after listening to Ty. Glenn Booth says, that's cool. How'd you create cash flow with land? Well, I got a business, by the way, right now. I'm making, I don't I work one hour a month in it, mentor box, and it's making 30 to $50,000 a day. It's not bad, right? When I was growing up, my mom made, in a year, probably never made 30 grand in a year of working as a single mom. Now I, I know how to make that in, I've made 30 grand, way more than 30 grand in one hour. I mean, I've made 100 grand an hour. It's like, that's why I say the world is very, in some ways is very unfair, it's unfair to my mom as a single mom, but what should I do? Complain about it or figure out how to use the system to expand beyond the system? That's what I did. Instead of being, trying to get caught in that cycle, which is easy to get caught in, but someone said the rich get richer. Not really, because I, I didn't grow up, my mom wasn't rich. My dad was in prison, my mom was a single mom. You know, she had roommates because she couldn't afford rent on her own. I always, my mom always had like another one or two single moms that she lived with. And then she got remarried to my stepdad. He delivered mail for the post office. He didn't make that much money. Yeah, you, you need to have a, why do we have one that doesn't have the padding on it? No, the little, yeah, don't do these. These are not, you're stripping off the most important part. That protects it from scratching. Life is good for you. I mean, not always, that's not. Somebody said, why are you wearing this shirt again? You're an idiot. This is a brand new shirt I just got from Top Man. So the more important question is, why do you care? I always get freaked out by men paying too much attention to other men. I mean, I don't, I'm not homophobic or anything, but I think it's bizarre. Like most dudes I know, like when other guys, I know women seem to be different. Like a woman walks in a restaurant, she's dressed in like a short dress. All the women look at her like, oh, slutty or whatever. Dudes don't do that. I mean, when you're at a restaurant, now I can't classify all guys because not all guys are the, sa uh, are the same, but men and women are different. I've tested my blood and I've tasted my cousin's blood. Uh, my testosterone is 1100, hers is 30. So... Yes, hormonally, which is the key driver of people. I don't know how to do the whole binary. I don't under, I mean, I'm not a speaker on gender issues. I don't understand, it's not my area of expertise, but I do know male and female hormonally are different. Now, people now are doing hormone replacements and they're switching that up. So I guess one day with genetic engineering, with hormone supplements, you can be whatever you want. Maybe one day we'll be able to be you know, extraterrestrial cyborgs with artificial intelligence in our brain, you know. Um, Brian Clock said you're one of his clients, true or false? I could be. My businesses run with a whole team running them. So I, I try to not be too involved in day-to-day -day if I can't help it. Um, Tide, 1100 testosterone, is that from taking steroids? No. I've got, I'll tell you a great way, by the way, for you guys, I want to get up your natural testosterone. You, in my experience, okay, and I test my blood once a month for years, I think I'm becoming the mo one of the most tested people in history. 
I'm spending like $10,000 a month on tests because I want to write a book eventually after five years of testing my blood with like 60 and just testing everything like veganism, testing, you know, I like uh, different supplements, testing different sleep patterns, testing weightlifting things and things like that and see how it affects my blood. One of the things that in my experience massively increases your testosterone if you're a guy or if you're a woman and you want to up your testosterone is sports that are highly competitive and involve basically like man-to-man combat. So like kickboxing, but especially jujitsu or wrestling, because the full body straining is basically replicating our evolutionary background where we had occasionally to go into battle and things like that. A lot of people nowadays are, I think, are becoming uh, their body suboptimal because you don't have the um, the natural environment. Dr. David Buss, one of my mentors. He calls this mismatch theory. He's one of the top evolutionary psychologists. So we, our bodies are mismatched to the environment. Like if you're sitting nine to five in a, in a job, in a cubicle, that's not the natural environment your body was um, uh, evolved in. Your DNA comes from an environment where people had combat once in a while. You had heavy, you had hunting. You had heavy lifting at times. You had long periods of rest. You know, so like we live in a very artificial society now. That's why one of the great books ever is Civilization is Discontents by a guy named uh, Sigmund Freud. It's a fascinating, it's, it's the greatest book ever written in my opinion. It's my favorite book. I've learned more from that book than anything, man. It's an incredible, incredible book. It really is. But if you haven't read it, you are missing out. Civilization is Discontent. I think it's free. All right, as we start to wrap up. Um, so in final, I just wanted to tell you guys, you got four days to go to Tyler. You can also go to my website and click the link at the top for real estate. Four days if you want Cole Hatter, you want me to guide you through a guided two-month program learning how to start as a real estate investor. I don't care if you're 18 years old, you're 60 years old, you don't have to live in the United States. One of our top uh, results has come from a guy in Sweden who's like 21 and he's making between ten dollars and $30,000 a month investing in real estate in Europe. So you could do it in Europe, you can do it in America, pretty much anywhere humans need houses, there's a market for real estate. I got a, um, one of my ex-business partners, I mean, we're still friends, but we had a business together years ago. He went, he's been investing in Colombia, he's been investing in Ecuador. I got a, um, one of my best friends invests in Argentina, there's big opportunities in London. People have been making tremendous money. Also, I think London's in a bubble. It's already kind of popping. But remember, when things pop, that means you buy low and then you hold it and you sell high if you know what you're doing. Don't always be afraid of, you know, people are afraid of their own shadow. So never be afraid of your own shadow. What are the best chapters of Civilization of Discontent? The part on happiness. I think it's chapter two or three or four. Some of it's a very complicated book. Peace out, Ty Lopez, great work. What do I think about skill trades? Hey, that's great. Plumbers, surgeons, you know, electricians. <clears throat> you can always elevate the business. My main thing is, and going back to way to make money, number one, two, and three, under entrepreneurship, if you, let's say, are a plumber, or you're in construction, or you're an artist, you want to not only make money from your own energy, you need to make money with other people working under you. What happens if you get sick? What happens if you get depressed? What happens if you get in a car accident? If all your income depends on you, 
you're very vulnerable. And that's why you need to have multiple ways to monetize. Like right now, if I got sick or in a coma or something, MentorBox, a business that I don't run, but I own 50% of it, it makes thirty to $50,000 a day. So I probably won't be homeless. I'm diversified. And you got to create the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Very important. Somebody said, yes, that's my next. I accidentally flipped the camera here. Twitter is weird. Oh, man. There we go. Ty, I've heard apartments are the way to go. Buy bulk. Like I said, let me just tell you guys something that's of the utmost importance. For the rest of your life in anything. Let's say you want to read more books. Let's say you want to become a biz better business networker. Let's say you want to buy real estate. Let's say you want to start your own social media marketing agency or start selling on Amazon e-commerce or you want to start a restaurant. Think of baseball. You first try to get on first base, then second, then third, then a home run. You don't always have to hit a home run to win the game. In fact, some of the best strategy in baseball is to get a whole bunch of people, you know, singles. And you go first, second, third. And then you bring somebody a cleanup batter that, bow. Then you can go for a home run because you get, you know, it's worth four. But if you try to hit a home run when nobody is on base, the bases aren't loaded, you take a lot of risk because you're trying, it's harder to hit a home run. And it's not a grand slam when it's just you, first one up to bat. So it, that's the same with business. Some of you are trying to hit grand slams, but there's no one on base because you've never launched your first business. Step by step, you get ahead, but not necessarily in fast spurts, okay? That's what Charlie Munger says. Step by step, you get ahead, but not necessarily in fast spurts. Like, he made a billion dollars, but he didn't have it by 19 years old. Do I think markets can crash? Yes, that's what I was talking about here. Mar not only can they, but they always will. And there's probably no way to prevent it. Because if you try to prevent, this is what happened in communist countries. They have what's called a central government. So in Russia, in China has this now. Um, but Russia would be a great example in the, the period of the Cold War from the 19, late 1940s to, you know, let's say the 90s uh, or the, up to the fall of the wall in Berlin, right? You basically had a centralized government trying to prevent uh, massive profits from any one person. That's what communism, trying to prevent massive swings in the market, and they messed up. It's too hard. So in capital markets, you basically allow individuals, you and I, our collective purchases, our collective behaviors create market fluctuations. And so what you'd have to do to stop recessions, you'd have to literally eliminate humans. So I'm assuming we don't want to eliminate ourselves. You'd have to change the psyche of humans because humans are fear-based. I was just asking, why are you guys not at all invested in real estate? It's primarily fear-based. It's not logical. People go, well, I'm too young. Oh, I don't have enough money. Well, there's lots of young people and people that don't have a lot of money that get started in real estate. But fear is a bitch. And until you eliminate fear in the human psyche, you will always have natural cycles and also greed. People get greedy on the up and they get scared on the down. So hopefully that's not you. I'm gonna give this away right now, as promised. I'm gonna pick a comment. This is an iPad Pro 9.7 inch, unopened baby. Got the plastic right on here. So I'm gonna ask a question based on uh, some of the past talks to reward you 
guys who've been here from the beginning. Remember, in the future, when you see me go live, I do this a lot. So watch from the beginning. I'm gonna pick one of these things. Let me look here at my notes. Okay. What was the number seven of the nine ways to multiply your money? Number seven, what was it? There we go. Efren Eduardo Rodrigo Perez. Intangibles. Okay. Got it. Uh, sorry, Nicholas Lewis. It's not intangibles. You almost got it, Efren. There, he got it. It was Nicholas Lewis on Facebook. It's currency. You were almost right. Intangibles is the broad category, but I was asking one of the numbers. You can see if you don't believe me. Number seven, commodities. I mean, currencies. So hopefully nobody, there's proof. So don't get mad at me. There's proof. And we got one more thing. I'm giving away the watch. So if you didn't win, somebody said Forex. That's not what it was. It was currencies. Forex, you know, because it's not just Forex that there's different ways you can invest in currencies. Okay, let's do, okay, I got one. The winner of this is getting the Apple Watch. Who want, this was also unopened. This is a, there's not much specifications. It's just literally called an Apple Watch. So here's the Apple Watch. Dun, 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 dun. The question for all of you, I'm rewarding you who paid attention from the beginning. And some of you might know this, but if you watch, it'll help you. What did I say are the top two types of cryptocurrency? The two names that are the most common in the marketplace that we call cryptocurrencies. What are they? There we go. Jacob Vasek. Bitcoin and Ethereum. Jacob Vasek on YouTube. Congratulations. Some of you were very close, but he got it. Like, did you read my mind, dude? You, someone said Bitcoin and Ectomech. Is Echo, is Ectomech, is that like uh, ectoplasm from like Ghostbusters? I don't know what that is. Somebody said, this is madness. Why is it madness? Don't get mad if you lost. Let me show you what's wrong with the human psyche. People are sad that they lost something that they never knew they were going to have when they woke up that morning. How can you be sad? If somebody came to me and go, hey, Ty, I was going to give you a million bucks, but I didn't give it to you. I changed my mind. I'd be like, I don't care. I didn't have it. <laughs> it you only, but the human psyche is very illogical. So people are like, oh, I didn't lose my, I didn't win the Apple Watch. Well, you woke up with no Apple Watch and you still don't have one. Just keep coming back. Um, you know, I give away a lot of stuff. I'm getting close. I'm on the upside. I, I'm getting closer and closer to have given a million dollars of stuff away. It's a good number, right? A million dollars in cars, cash, and a lot of Apple products. I feel like Apple should like give me free stuff. If they weren't the biggest, see, I can't negotiate with them. Remember I was talking about dominance negotiation? The, the book Art of Strategy talks about the ways to negotiate. I can't negotiate with Amazon. I can't call Amazon and go, Amazon, I mean, uh, uh, Apple. I can't go, Apple, if you don't give me a discount on these iPhones, I'll never buy them away. And I mean, I'll, I'll never give them away. People will be like, Apple will be like, I don't care. We're still worth $700 billion. Um, okay, last questions, and we are out of here. Shelton says, wow, that's awesome, Ty. Somebody said, Ty, can you give away your Lamborghini? Probably not. I don't think you want the insurance. I got two Lamborghinis insurance. I don't even want to know what I pay per month. But it's, I probably, what is my insurance per month? 
I'd probably pay like six grand a month in insurance, I would guess. Maybe because cars are these cars are expensive. I got two Rolls Royce. Rolls Royce are not cheap. Why did this switch? It says, oh, there we go. Reconnect. Yeah, I'm guessing that I roughly spend three to six grand a month on insurance for cars, unfortunately. But you got to insure these cars. Like, I got a Rolls Royce Dawn and a Rolls Royce Ghost. They're almost a million dollars for both of them, a little under. I think they were 430 and 425, so. $850,000, $860,000, you don't want to be, I ain't getting no, you know the, that car insurance that you hear on like the radio, it's Adriana's. like, what's it called? Adriana's. Adriana's, I never heard of that, I always hear this one on like the hip hop station, it's like, you're paying $50 for your insurance, you could get it for 10, I'm like, shit, I ain't getting no $10 insurance on, and then the Aventador is like 450, so that's one point, almost 1.3, and then I got a Ferrari that's 350. That's 1.5. I've never added up how much these cars are worth. 1.5. I lease them, by the way. Always lease cars. People sometimes are like, ha ha, Ty, you're a con artist because you lease cars. I'm like, bitch, I'm smart. What are you talking about? You want to lease depreciating assets. People have no brain power. So they're like, they think leasing, leasing is the same as buying. You can buy a car and lease it. They give you the choice. It doesn't even matter. It's always broke-ass people. If you tell a billionaire you lease cars so you can tax deduct them, they'll be like, wow, you're smart. If you talk to some dude who fucking never even read, <laughs> you know, he's having a hard time reading Curious George books, it'll be like, oh, well, well, I caught you, Ty. You're leasing a car. I'm like, yeah, that's why you don't have a car because you can't understand tax deduction. What do you want to pay for the IRS? You want to pick up the whole bill for the United States? Anyway, I'm signing off. TyLopez.com slash R-E-F-P, real estate flippy program. Somebody said, Ty, why are you hating on Curious George? I'm not. I, I, you're right. That's probably too high level for people. TyLopez.com slash R-E-F-P. Go there. You got four days if you want to get in. The final test group. Learn how to do real estate. I told you, I just got a testimonial today, someone in the program, she's bought nine homes already and started with nothing. She's buying cheap homes, where was it? Is it in Vegas? Somewhere where she's getting, or Arizona or something? She's getting homes for under 100 grand. And yeah, talk to you guys soon.